Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for progressive agency owners and web professionals. Season three is focused on the growing number of agencies who are making the world a better place. We explore what this even means, why is it different from any other agency, and how can it be reconciled with the real-world challenges of running a profitable agency. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he speaks to leaders of agencies who are driven by their values to positively impact the world around them. This week's guest is co-founder of Emergence Creative, a global creative agency focused on social impact. Eric brought his vast and varied experience to Emergence. Among other things, he led innovative strategy and accounts for Coca-Cola and other major clients while at McCann Global Health. However, one of his motivations for founding a social impact-focused agency was that larger agencies, without the same focus, were simply not able to deliver the level of professionalism and impact that he wanted to have. We discussed this and the challenges around pro bono social impact work at the start of our conversation. Eric also shares some examples of the amazing work that emergents do and the values that motivate them to do this kind of work, plus the future of where this journey might take them. All this provides a perfect insight into how the challenges an agency like Emergence faces can also lead to opportunities. So let's meet Eric. So I'm Eric Verkirke. I'm the co-founder and chief creative officer of Emergence Creative, a little redundant in the title there. So we're a social impact creative agency. Uh, we started about three years ago. My partner Raj and I used to be at McCann Erickson. I started up the global health practice at McCann and decided to run off on our own and try, try to do this independently about three years ago. We had initially been very focused in, in global health, and we saw an opportunity to sort of expand beyond that into international development and public health, as well as clean energy and social justice issues, things like that. So that's sort of the nutshell of it. We work globally. We're based here in New York, but we have uh, we have a team that ranges from Costa Rica to Berlin. So we work with folks from all over the world, and we've worked with clients from all over the world. Yeah, fascinating. There's so much we, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. But let's start at the beginning. Why did you, when you, when you, you said three years ago, you went to, and you decided to do your own thing? Why did you decide to do that? It's a combination of things. I think, you know, really large agencies, frankly, struggle to do this kind of work. I think uh, a lot of the big agencies just aren't really structured to do smaller and more agile projects. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think there's also just a desire for a degree of creative independence and the excitement of doing it on our, on our own and, and sort of taking that leap. And I had helped start another startup a number of years ago, a medical device company that was also a social enterprise. So I had had some, some experience as a sort of social entrepreneur. And so it was, an, it was an exciting prospect. It seemed like the right time. There's just a lot of constraints when you're working for a big agency. The contracts have to be so yay big and the overhead is very high. So the costs are very high. And there's just a lot of opportunities that you can't pursue with smaller organizations or organizations without the massive budgets that 
you know, obviously we we would love to have access to those, but you know, we've been very lucky to be able to work with a whole range of organizations from very early stage sort of multi-stakeholder initiatives, other social enterprises, to standing up new projects and new brands and entirely new sort of platforms for behavior change even that I, I just don't think we would have been able to do within a large agency because uh, they're a little bit more constrained. So when, when you say constrained, do you mean that specifically when you're looking at the social impact side of, and that kind of work and the inability to work with that? Or is it purely the scale that you're talking about? It's a, it's a combination of the two. I think social impact in large agencies is often seen as a pro bono area or a loss leader, or a, you know, a feel good, but it's kind of a, it's not a priority, let's put it that way. And I think for us, we wanted to be able to work exclusively in social impact, do it at a very professional, high quality level, and do it within budgets that were affordable for organizations that are able to do that. So, you know, I think, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, but I think that there's a, a lack of quality creative in the social impact space. And I think part of that comes from the kind of culture of pro bono work to some degree, which is that social impact organizations, whether it's NGOs or international development organizations, INGOs, they get used to either getting things for free or they don't really value communications or branding or creativity in the way that more commercial organizations often do, I think. And so for us, it was, you know, we saw a market opportunity to really focus exclusively on social impact to do it. I sort of, I, I would say at a reasonable, but not cheap price point. So, you know, there's lots of freelancers out there who, who work with these organizations and you're never going to be able to compete with them on price. But I think that the value of bringing an agency that has you know, a pool of talent and a real strategic process that has a depth to it and a rigorousness to it or a rigor to it is a big part of, of why we saw an opportunity is there's just a lot of very kind of ad hoc work that gets done that's either last minute or it's underfunded or it's there's not a lot of thought put into it. And so a lot of communications and marketing and brand work in social impact is very sameish. You you see the same kind of feel goody kind of stuff. There's just a lot of generic work, and so it's been really exciting to be able to bring, I would say, almost a very professional commercial type lens to that and, and bring that into that that area. That does sound interesting and very exciting, like you say. I guess really what you're talking about there as well is that a professional approach. And actually that adding to the impact rather than the, you're describing this sort of generic, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're seeing that as less impactful as well as the less professional input. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think that that connectivity between the effectiveness of these organizations and the impact of the organization and their ability to tell their story, their ability to clearly communicate who they are and what they do. I do think those things are absolutely tied to get tied to each other. And I think there's often there's often a bit of cockiness and overconfidence. I think a lot of folks in social impact are, you know, very well educated. They've had very successful careers in other areas. And they tend to think that they they can do everything. <laughs> it's not I don't know if you've worked with tech companies or engineers, but I love engineers. I love technically minded people. Physicians are often this way as well. They're you know, they're highly trained, they're extremely intelligent, 
And they often just assume that because they're highly trained and extremely intelligent, that they can do everything. And so there's often a, a bit of a people see communications as being trivial or they see it as being an afterthought or something that anyone can do. And so I think it's we really had to to work at that perceptual shift with a lot of our clients from, well, you know, we're just going to have this we're going to have somebody who's a friend of a friend do this thing as a favor shifting from that to, oh, we're actually going to, you know, in the same way that we would hire a lawyer to do legal work for us, or, you know, that we would hire PhDs to work on a certain research project for us, we're going to hire a really, you know, professional agency to do this work for us. So that's been a, that's been an interesting learning process for us, as well as a lot of the folks that we work with. Yeah, you use the term perception there. And we talked, or you mentioned earlier about this sort of culture of the pro bono kind of creating an expectation of, you know, that this stuff doesn't matter. Do you think that is something, I mean, do you think that's part of it, that people view this this part of the process, the communication, the clarity around that as not important? Or do you think it is budget driven as in, hey, we've got a small budget, you know, we need to decide where to put it? I think it's a mix. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to critique the entire field. I think it's a mix. And I think budgeting is budgeting is a reflection of perception, right? Yes, there are limited budgets, but there are also, you know, I've seen many, many organizations where there are you know, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars put to consulting firms and, you know, business and strategy consultants, and then they'll tack on 10 or 20K branding and communications piece. And, you know, you're talking about order of magnitude difference in budget. And I think it's partly that there's a lot of perception that you just hire a designer at the end of a process rather than engaging in this really thinking through what your values are and what your organization does and what its value proposition is. That is admittedly, you know, an agency moving into the space of traditional business consulting, but I think it's doing it through a very creative lens. It's really doing it focused on values and focused on clarifying what your differentiation is and, and why you matter in the world. And I think a lot of organizations don't put in the time to do that. They, it's kind of, it's kicked down the road. You know, they develop a, a name or a logo or some language early on in their development as an organization. And then they kind of hang on to that. And maybe it's tweaked and refined over time, but there's never really a rigorous process where you think through, you know, what are we saying and why? What does that mean? And I do think that there's often huge opportunity for broad, and this is just on the brand side, but for broadening the impact of those organizations, for broadening the, the funds that they raise. I mean, we've certainly had plenty of clients who we rebranded and then went on to either bring in a lot more new clients or a lot of new funding, things like that. So I do think it can make a big difference, but it's the classic problem of advertising. You know, 90% of it doesn't work. The problem is we don't know which 90%. And I think that's particularly true in branding because it's a very, it's a somewhat ephemeral undertaking. You know, you've, we have a very rigorous process around it, but at the end of the day, you've got to, it's, largely about sort of self-belief to a certain degree. And you touched there on values. And I kind of was reading what or my interpretation of what you were saying is that you're talking about your values as the as providing the services to the, the organizations you're working with. How important do you feel or think that is from your point of view, from the agencies, from emergency point of view? I think it's essential. 
the reason we focused exclusively on working in social impact was was because a it's something that we're passionate about b we thought it was an opportunity as i said a market opportunity and i think the values that we bring to it the rigor of it and the depth of our approach comes from our experience working with organizations like this for a long time and recognizing that the way that you do that effectively is through trust and through you know listening and shared value and and understanding where a group is coming from what they're trying to achieve and then helping them to distill that down and clarify it and refine it and then bring it to life through design or language or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I think that that it is important. And I, I think that it's something, you know, again, looking at the, the big agency kind of piece, you know, it's difficult if you're working on, you know, selling sugar water one day and then working on public health the next, uh, or if you're selling cigarettes and working on some sort of social justice issue. I think that there's, there is a lot of area of often hypocrisy, sometimes at the very least kind of questionable ethics where some of these projects are, well, we're going to make a bunch of money doing very questionably ethical work. And then we're going to kind of make up for that by doing some pro bono work for what we consider to be a charity. I think that that's a, that's a pretty questionable approach to things. Mm, yeah, interesting. But at the same time, or here's playing a little bit of devil's advocate, is, isn't that better than not doing any charity work at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Except insofar as it does, as I mentioned and sort of alluded to, you know, it distorts the market to a certain degree. If you've got a, a group that is being constantly provided something for free, it shifts the perception of value of that. So, but, you know, it, look, I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, it's better if, you know, large corporations give to charity, regardless of whether what their fundamental business is, is good or bad for the world. I think it's better for them to evolve their business models to be less harmful or to be more positive. I think you see a lot of, you, you do see a movement towards that shift in the kind of, you know, the Unilevers of the world are trying much more to really integrate it into their business rather than do it as a, a kind of an apology, which I think a lot was a traditional philanthropy model was, well, you know, we, we make a lot of money mining coal or exploiting underpaid laborers in uh, developing countries. But, you know, here's some charity money to make everybody feel better. Yes, it's better that they do that than not do that. But I think that the onus is on them to start to really shift their business models more intentionally along the way. And at the same time, what you mentioned at the start about, as well as pro bono kind of creating this expectation of like undervaluing the work, but also you implied that pro bono in itself is, leads to lower quality of that work because of lack of focus and, and lack of prioritization. Is that, or am I paraphrasing slightly what you said? Oh, I, I think that's a fair, I mean, again, there's been plenty of good pro bono work done out there, but, you know, I've also been in agencies and seen the level of attention that goes into pro bono work or to social impact work, there's a degree of passion on the part of a lot of employees to their immense credit. But the reality is within an agency, everyone's working on a lot of different things. And the priority is going to be the multi-million dollar contract that they're also working on, not necessarily the, the small pro bono project. 
So I, I guess what I'm saying is long term, yes, I think that overall pro bono work tends to be lower quality. I think it tends to be under resourced and I think it tends to be deprioritized, not necessarily by the creative folks who are working on it, but by management there. Like a company does not have a huge incentive to put a lot of resources behind pro bono work. They have a lot more incentive to make it look as if something is a huge contribution and then to limit the costs. I mean, just look at the look at the economics of it. So that that all makes sense. I really I, I could spend a long time just talking about that specific topic. But actually let's talk a little bit more about emergence. So we started that part of the conversation talking about why you start you know, why you decided to co found and set it up on your own. Um, tell me a little bit about what the journey's been like um, over the last couple of years. You said you started off with a focus on sort of health and and building up this broad uh, global team. So just tell me a little bit about the story, the early days of the story as that was coming together. Yeah, I mean, early days it was it was pretty wild. We, you know, the first summer when we started up, when we when we just left McCann was the was the World Cup, the last World Cup. So I guess we're, we'll be coming up on four years uh, fairly soon next summer. So, you know, we were, we were watching a lot of uh, World Cup games and trying to figure out, you know, the brand and you know, we didn't have a name at that point. And so we were, we were watching the World Cup. It was summer in New York. It was beautiful and hot out. And, uh, you know, we we're watching a lot of soccer and trying to come up with sort of the concept and the thrust. You know, we, we, we knew we wanted to work on social impact. We had a kind of broad strokes idea around it. And I think it really it crystallized around this combination of, of science and creativity and trying to understand patterns of human behavior and ideas that sort of capture the, the zeitgeist or that, that can move people's behavior in one way or another. And that idea of emergence was really the, the genesis of that understanding how patterns come out of very complex uh, sort of multifaceted interactions between lots of different people or lots of different units. And I think that that really resonated with us. And, and it ended up being a kind of driving force behind the work that we were doing, which was we always wanted to have a lot of data, if you will, a lot of sort of points of contact or context for all of the development. And so as we started working through different projects, you know, our, one of our first clients was the University of Calgary. It's this group called the uh, ICDC, the Interdisciplinary Chronic Disease Collaboration. Uh, they do a lot of work on chronic disease, you know, hypertension and heart disease and things like that. And so uh, they brought us on to do a, a multi-year long-term behavior change trial up in Canada. And so we, that was really one of our first big projects was to work on, on developing this behavior change platform based on a kind of branding communications marketing approach. So we, we ended up going out and doing a bunch of ethnographic research with patients out in Canada and working very closely with the physicians to understand you know, what were the clinically relevant pieces of information that they really wanted the patients, the sort of people in the trial to understand, and then creating a brand, which is this brand Moxie that we created. And this, again, sort of trying to find something that would resonate within that, that cultural context that we were looking at, just elderly over 65 patients uh, with lots of, a lot of health issues <clears throat> to help them be compliant on their medication. 
so we've, we've been working on that for for over three years now and you know that's one of the sort of long-term contracts long-term projects that we've had it's been really exciting because we've really been able to see it go from you know us sitting and watching the world cup and getting a call from from these guys who you know were friends of, of raj's and to talking with these people to creating the brand to launching the platform and now we start to see you know we get we're getting these qualitative studies back and we're getting data from the platform and it's really changing people's lives it's it's literally getting people to stay on their medications to change their diet and exercise and uh, it's doing that over a very long period of time so that's been one of the really rewarding ones that we've worked on where we've been able to kind of see it grow along with the company in some ways and i think our thinking has kind of evolved as we've worked on it as well in terms of seeing the potential to kind of apply those approaches to other areas and other other health conditions so that's that's been really interesting i'm not sure that that really gets at what you're talking about but <laughs> it absolutely does that's a brilliant story um indirectly this topic is just so interesting to me because when you talk to i guess traditional agency owners and agencies they talk about success in terms of you know we made a lot of money i built a great team we won these awards or whatever um, whereas when you're talking there and you, I can hear the sort of excitement and, and interest and passion in your voice and talking about changing people li people's lives and it just seems to be a whole different set of um, criteria for measuring success. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, frankly, when we when we did start up, I think we were, you know, neither Raj nor I are particularly, I mean, we both use social media, but we're not social media experts by any means. I think we were a little disenchanted with the a lot of the metrics of agencies, which is impressions and clicks and views and social media engagement. I think that there's there has been a kind of race to the bottom in that sense. And we really wanted to do, and we had, while we were at McCann, we had the chance to work on a number of projects that kind of gave us a sense of where the potential lay to really focus on changing behavior. And so that became really a, a driving force behind a lot of the work that we've done. I mean, we still do a lot of brand work where we're developing brands for new initiatives. But I do think at the end of the day, that's probably the sort of two, two or three core things that we really work on is, is trying to create brands that really reflect our own values to some degree, but to your earlier question, also reflect the values of the organization and in a way that's going to really resonate with their audience or with their stakeholders or their customer, depending on, you know, obviously some of these, some of these groups don't have customers. So they're kind of, they're selling something a little more intangible or they're, they're selling their impact or, you know, their public engagement isn't really a priority for a lot of these. What they really need to do is engage the the UN or, you know, mayors of cities. There's a lot of different stakeholders out there who are different from traditional sort of commercial customer-based work. But yeah, on the behavior change side, I do think that that really clicks for us because you get to use the same tools that we use to sell Coca-Cola and, you know, Nikes. We use the same approaches, but we're using them to make people healthier 
or help people make themselves healthier. Ultimately, I mean, our, our Moxie platform is very much about sort of empowering people to help them make themselves healthier over time and to better understand their health conditions in a very non-paternalistic, non-patronizing way. So that's been really, really great in terms of being able to actually do that. And then I think on the the other side is is more broadly, you know, I don't know if you saw the ACLU work that we did, but we did a big campaign for the for the American Civil Liberties Union just after Trump was elected around the First Amendment, which you know is protection of free speech and press and protest and freedom of religion. And so we did a bunch of public, very fairly high profile billboards of the First Amendment translated into Arabic and Spanish. It was up in Times Square. It was down in D.C. And to me, that was really resonant as well. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people react to that and just talk about, you know, how that idea really sort of encapsulated a feeling that they had at the time. So, you know, for that one, it's, it's a little bit less about behavior change and it's more about kind of perception either perceptual change or like finding an idea that kind of encapsulates or crystallizes the most powerful things or issues of the time and i think that that one was really exciting because it felt like it just kind of clicked to being the right expression of the right idea at the right time and again it was, you know it did very well on social media it got picked up it's in a book now about the design of dissent and which has been really exciting but Ultimately, I think it was the reactions of people to, you know, that sense of, of something that really feels right is, again, I think is in terms of the kind of work that we're trying to do, that we're sort of seeking to achieve. That's really what matters to, to us. And do you measure, I mean, both of those are really, um, I find it inspirational, like the idea of being able to do that kind of work, not just actually doing it, but have bringing that professional expertise and the experience you have and sort of you know tackling i guess tough problems like that but how do you personally measure the success of that or uh, i mean i don't it's difficult because we before you mentioned sort of the traditionally um, very traditional impressions based measurement because well i think a lot of that is because it's just an easy thing to measure whereas what you're talking about is a much deeper more difficult thing to actually you know quantitate quantify yeah, it is. And, and I think that's a good question. I would say to some degree, it shouldn't matter. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to qualify that to some degree, which is that I think there, you, there are different campaigns and different pieces of creative work that get done for different reasons. I think some of them are done for very specific things. It could be fundraising, could be expanding your mailing list, things like that. Very tangible, practical and I think metrics like that, absolutely, you should engage and use fully for things like that, because that is exactly how you should measure whether you're, you know, we just, we hosted the first Smart Cities Conference in New York City. You know, for us, the metrics that mattered were ticket sales and uh, sponsorship dollars that came in. And, you know, it was very, very tangible, very easy to measure, very challenging, but, you know, very hard and fast because we were sort of we were co-owners of this conference and we were hosting it with another group and so in that sense you know it was very practical there was a big idea behind the conference that i think was very much similar to what we were just talking about in terms of values and and brand but you know in terms of the execution and the rollout you have to get into that the weeds of all that but i think what you're saying makes sense i 
I think that it's similar to some brand work, right? Some brand campaigns think different, for example. They're not immediately about selling more Apple computers. They're not about, you know, moving more boxes. It's about putting an idea into the public consciousness in a way that's going to resonate. I would say Super Bowl ads are like this to a large degree. They're about finding something that resonates at this moment and capturing a feeling and ideally putting that into the minds of millions of people and then sort of seeing how that unfolds. And yeah, that, I think that's part of why the Super Bowl is such a great platform for those sorts of ads that are that are pretty conceptual and are like very high level uh, sort of brand campaigns. So yeah, I guess to some degree, I would say I like to think that you can always have that big idea behind all of the work that you do, and even if something is very executional and very practical, you know, we just need to get people to buy tickets to this thing, or we need to raise money through a fundraiser or whatever it might be. I think all of those things are more effective if there's a really, truly creative, big idea behind them. That's not always possible, but I think it's worth aspiring to. Yeah, which ties back to what we were saying before about values and that what that big idea is coming from the values. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think if you, you have to put work into... Not into figuring out what your values are, because I think everyone has the values. It's in terms of being able to express those values and to put them in some sort of sort of executable form, right? And that's I mean, I think that's what so much strategy work is about is is really understanding the ins and outs of what an organization does and then distilling that down into something that that clarifies and expresses it in a way that is clear and inspiring or provocative or interesting in some way. And then all of the rest of the executional work is just sort of flows out of that rather than just kind of doing things and then hoping or assuming that the values will be expressed through that. I think you have to be very intentional and thoughtful about it. So just to change tack very slightly, to talk about as emergence and the agency has kind of grown or matured, I guess, over three years of your life, of its life, <laughs> what are the current challenges or conflicts with the agency as it is now? Yeah, that's a good question as well. I would say the challenges are challenges that a lot of businesses have, which is you know cash flow and predictability of business and, you know, cycles of contracting and things like that. It's very challenging to do project-based work. And then it's hard to hire against project-based work unless you have a sufficient volume of it. You know, initially that was fine. And because we were just, you know, to some degree, we were figuring out how we were going to do all of this. Over time, I think that's become more of a pressing challenge because, you know, you really, in order to scale up, in order to, you know, have more full-time staff as opposed to freelance or part-time, which is ultimately what we want, you need to be able to have that predictability. And that's really hard in this space. A lot of contracting cycles are really long, you know, from initial conversation to actually closing something can take, you know, six months, sometimes a year. So that's hard. And then I think there's also just the standard challenges of, of creative work, which is 
creativity is somewhat subjective and it's always challenging, you know, working with clients and we always find solutions. But I think adapting and being able to bring the right people to the right project at the right time is really challenging, again, on that sort of project basis. Because with a large agency, you know, if you're working on a certain angle on a concept, let's say, and it's not getting anywhere, you bring in another team. <laughs> you know, you, you ask for, you know, another creative team or you bring in a different designer and you just have that pool pretty available in a large agency. I think for us, we do have a good pool of talent, but it's there's less of that ability to have a bunch of people kind of able to be moved around onto different projects as needed because we have to subcontract various different things, you know, as we tackle different projects. So yeah, I think the scaling issue, the predictability issue, those are all problems or challenges, if you will. And then I think, I think honestly, digital is always really hard. Like I would say the building and dissemination of websites in this day and age has become both dramatically more complicated and dramatically simpler than it ever was. And that's caused a lot of problems because I think because of things like Squarespace and WordPress and stuff like that, there's very much a perception that you know, just throw up a website. And, you know, so again, there's a lot of like downward cost pressure on that. But the reality is that actually decent websites are quite expensive to build and they take a long time. And the ins and outs of them are always dramatically more complicated than ever would have expected. And, you know, neither of us are, are digital experts. You know, we know some things, but I think that's proven to be a very challenging area of execution in particular, kind of going from strategy to brand or strategy to campaign concept. And then the sort of execution of that and the the actual build of it is always always proves to be the most challenging. But, you know, I think those are pretty standard problems for most small businesses. I think maybe to kind of spin off that question, what we're finding is a really interesting and potentially exciting opportunity is that as a creative agency, we're starting to see that a lot of the things that we develop are potentially business ideas in and of themselves. And so this op uh, this possibility of kind of operating as a as an incubator, if you will, or operating as a kind of a group that develops and then launches interesting platforms or ideas or businesses or solutions out into the world, um, that's proven to be really interesting in terms of this conference that I mentioned, as well as uh, the, the Moxie platform, which we're looking at rolling out in the US. Brilliant. I like the fact that you segued my question because that was going to be my next question. What are, <laughs> I guess the way to phrase the question then is, what is the future of emergence? Mm, that's a good question. I think we'll always have this core of doing doing strategy and creative work. And I certainly think there's a lot of potential for us to, to keep growing that uh, and keep doing that. I think from a design side, I, I feel very proud of the work that we've done on, on branding and things like that. I think there's a lot of, there's room for growth and improvement on digital, which would be really exciting for us in terms of being able to more fully bring to life the kind of ideas that we have. 
that's just, a, you know, it's a challenging thing. And as I said, it tends to be more expensive than we always anticipate. So figuring that out, I think that's, that's exciting. And then I think this, this final piece, which is really the, the kind of, I'll call it an incubator for lack of a better term for now, but this ability to treat client opportunities is not just client opportunities, but as actual partnerships where they have a problem that they're looking to solve. And we have a lot of really smart, creative people with, you know, deep science backgrounds and, you know, subject area expertise in public health or in clean energy or wherever the thing may be. And we're able to combine the kind of creative approach or creative lens with that rigor. I think that has a lot of potential for us to to build into something that can really act as a kind of an organization that starts to incubate and then spin off uh, various different organizations over time that really provide creative or, or novel solutions to interesting problems that come our way. Wow, that is very cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Unfortunately, um, we're starting to run out of time. But so final question, just for anybody who's interested in emergence or wants to follow up with yourself and find out more about the work you do, where can we point them? Sure. It's uh, emergence-creative.com. And thanks again, Eric. I really appreciate your time. And I know that I enjoyed talking and hearing what you had to share. I'm sure the listeners will as well. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com, where you can also find out how to send us questions, feedback, and get involved in the conversation about this series. If you enjoyed the show, please share with anyone else who might enjoy it too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.